Well, we're back again. Um, there's even more news that we're getting so to. So much news. It's I just... definitely want to. Uh, I, I want to lead off talking about the most important thing that I think happened in 2020, which is the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But I don't want to just talk about the death of her. I want to lead off with talking about her life and specifically a quote from her that I'm sure everyone's heard. But it's so inspirational to me that, like, it has kind of moved me to be better. And I think it really sums up kind of what we really want to do with this podcast and the whole idea behind could be better anyways. Um, And so I just I wanted to lead right out of the gate with this quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And that just notion, like, it, it really has made me think about a lot of what I'm doing with myself, what I'm doing to be better and, and to lead. And how do I do that in such a way that it does want to bring others with me? Because, like, um, so the newest story in my life is that within the last week, I've completely removed myself from Facebook. I deleted, I deactivated my account, I deleted all the apps, I deleted all my links to it. Um, It's very bizarre. Like, I have these, it's just like, I keep wanting to go to it. It's very strange. Um, But a big part of that was just like constantly being faced with my family just becoming more and more entrenched in bigoted Trumpism and, and not knowing any way to to bring them out of that and you know reading this quote it just really it just really resonated with me that it's like I don't don't need to try to fight them on this I just need to as the wonderful third lady says be best and let them kind of see that and hopefully they will come along with me and if they don't gonna do about it so, so what you're saying is uh, Trump's wife is right. Mm-hmm. We should be best, honestly. Yes. I, 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 I agree to that to a certain extent. I have not uh, given up Facebook, but my whole attitude towards Facebook is basically for the longest time has been just nonchalant and like just looking at a feed every once in a while. Yeah. And mainly talking to you until we moved to Discord. That was basically what Facebook was for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I, I was having pretty much a similar relationship with it. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of was like, I'm, I'm tired of just fighting with people on Facebook. Like, is I, that I, all this is for? <laughs> I understand that. But I, I think for me, it's uh, basically come down to, well, I think you've done way more battling in the comments than I have, and I don't <laughs> think I've gotten my fill yet of of the comments. So, uh, well, I'm you st- do. You have a lot of like back and forth with your family on like just regular text and stuff. I don't really. I don't. I don't. I've, I've been so kind of um, like God. Oh, what's the word for it? Just like distant from that for so long like i don't really talk to my family much anyways just because it's like every time i do it's just 
Ugh. Well, we had a we had a whole uh, we had a whole uh, email chain that started uh, right after uh, George Floyd, and uh, basically my sister had this idea that we should try to be best, like you're talking about, and uh, talk about these things and try to 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 come to it. Basically, like white people should. Um, oh, I guess racism really is a thing, and we should do something about it. Uh, which is 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 good, but I think I think it also shows the privilege of white people when they do that. Yeah. Um, well, well, like we were laughing lucky at we for were you. They're even getting to that point. <laughs> well, absolutely, and and you know we were laughing a couple months ago because uh, Kim had a uh, a work meeting where it was like you know they were talking about it and it was just like insufferable and. Like, but but my point is that I'm trying to get to with the interacting with the 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 relatives, which I at the time I wrote these same relatives four years ago that they shouldn't vote for Trump on the grounds that you know it isn't very Republican of them. I was I went with the never Trumper tact, which was wrong. I should have just come out fully for Hillary Clinton, and I think that would have been more effective and a more effective argument. But anyway, that didn't do any good. And Wisconsin <laughs> went to Trump, and the rest is history. But so my, my sister came to me and said, "I want to write this thing about, you know, Black Lives Matter, and you know, to all the family, and start a communicate." I was like, "I said you can go for it, but I don't think it's going to be very productive." And you know, then all of a sudden, my uncle was like, uh, "You know, like Candace Owens says this," and I basically had to come into the chat and be like. Uh, yeah, like Candace Owens is like a Hitler apologist, you know, shut the fuck up. I didn't say that. I said it very softly, but still very snarkily. And then immediately my other cousins were like, how dare you? You're so rude to our dad. And I'm like, you know, I don't care. And then my mom came to my defense, which I appreciate, but she does that. And (laughs) it just, it just completely imploded. And it was partly my doing because I'm the one that shut my uncle up about it. But uh, yeah, but it, it's funny because that we actually ended up having a productive conversation after my uncle and the rest of his nitwits left the chat that like about some important things, which I think are good. And I've had conversations with my Is mother. Is that how it showed up? Was it like nitwits have left the chat? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, it got to a point where. Uh, so I kept in touch with my sister who said that like she was still texting my uncle about things and how he doesn't believe that uh, that coronavirus is a real thing or that Ugh. you know black lives don't matter and they should just they don't need to protest Ugh. they just should go write their congressman and like all this <laughs> it's hilarious like he doesn't believe in protests but he believes like to you should write your congressman. And I mean, you I, absolutely. You should write your congressman. Yes, yes. It's, it's not going to help if you're a black person because they don't work for you clearly. Right. But you still should. Like well, being well, involved is very important. And if and, and I think honestly, like the the lack of involvement from you know a lot of the minorities. If if they did, if if every black person in Wisconsin wrote their congressman the congressman would have to be like whoa what the fuck you well, know like, the the sad fact of all that is that 
most of those people don't vote. Yeah. And that's, I think, what they've just written off. And most Democrats, and this is a whole other topic. We're getting we're getting way sidetracked. But my yeah. my point is, is that, and this is something that I've been uh, railroading with my with my sister about this whole Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing. To pull it back in, is you know she's very distraught about it, understandably. But she's like, oh, like I expected more from Mitt Romney, and I was like why did you expect more from Mitt Romney? He's a Republican. Yeah. And she's like, well, he's, he, they must have something on him. And I'm like, no, they don't. He's a Republican. And she's like, well, he's spineless. Yes, but he's also yeah. a Republican. And I think that's what you need to take well, away from this. And I think that's redundant, <laughs> but I think this is, this is the thing. And I'm not just being, you know, liberal claptrap. Like this is literally like what we're dealing with is the fash party. And then we have the, the conservative, you know, neoliberals on the other side so it's it's terrible but like the other side there is no bipartisanship anymore and i don't think we should look at it in those frameworks like and like that that is kind of let me i'll, I'll tell you kind of what i think about uh ruth bader ginsburg but i i first i want to ask you like how do you how do you feel how have how has the last couple days been you know she died on friday and it's yeah. We're recording on Wednesday, but uh, she died on Friday. She died like nine hours after we recorded our last podcast, and you know, I just I was a little upset that she couldn't have like made it before the news break for us. You know, like that would have been nice. Well, we can't we purpose we purposely like decided to record even though I'm going on a trip like because she died so she got another yeah. podcast out of us. I like. Our, I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a beast. She is she so smart, so thoughtful, um, and you know, as one of her big things was that in any room where big decisions are made, women should be present. And she's proven that tenfold. And I was prepared for her loss. I, I can't even say that I know enough about her history to give her as much credit as she deserves even. Um, but I was, I was already prepared mentally that she wasn't going to make it past 2021. I was not expecting or I would definitely wasn't expecting to lose her in 2020. And I was hoping that that wasn't going to be the case. Um, and it's, it's a huge setback because we know that, and this is my biggest issue with it, which is why we really wanted to bring it up was because we know that the Republicans are going to try to ram through some howler monkey mouth breather sycophant. That's going to just, drive oh, us overturn further Rome. into the right you know like and it's like that it's it's a huge loss it's a huge loss of the individual and it's a huge loss for the for democracy and for any chance of us fixing what they have done and what they're going to do. And so that's the part that I think that's what like really makes it tough for me. That's the despair. And 
is it's so oh god the despair is so strong and like the the biggest thing we can do is that like i i don't i don't give a shit what anyone thinks about any apathy that exists should should disappear like a fart in the wind right now because we not only have to take back the presidency honestly we could we could leave trump he can fuck off and do whatever he wants because he's you know whatever he's useless he's he's a useless idiot um or useful idiot i guess specifically but we we have to take back the senate we have to take back we have to keep the house um taking the presidency would be really good if we could take control of all three but we at least need the senate and the house so that we have the control of the balance of power that is so important we really need to take back the presidency because a if the Democrats have enough backbone to hold out like the Republicans did in uh, 2016 when Scalia died um, to, to push that hard enough so that you know Trump doesn't get a third nomination even though he should only have had two I guess at this point um, that's that would be great if they, if they can hold that off in some way, form, or fashion. Well, I now, think honestly, like the, the thing is that I I I believe that the rules are the rules, and that we should the president. You know, I argued for the fact that it's the constitutional rule that the president is supposed to pick the Supreme Court nomination when there's a vacancy. But, however, <laughs> how the legal system in the United States works is there's a thing called precedence. So the precedence has been set that the nomination in a election year goes to the winner of the election. So, But is that a legal precedent? I'm not a lawyer or a constitutional scholar, but is that, I, is that a precedent yeah. or is that just a norm that Mitch McConnell did last time because he didn't want to appoint a justice? Right. I mean, it's it's, it's not really. A, I don't think it holds. It doesn't hold up in a court of law. It doesn't. It's hold. just of that course he, it doesn't hold. he just gonna, said gonna, like he I just said, they're going to ram through right. whatever idiot. I think. That they fucking come I think this is this is my and I'll I'll get to my point because I think this is just a I've I've resolved to the fact that they're going to likely point a sixth Supreme Court justice whether they do it mm-hmm. now. Or whether they do it in a lame duck after if Biden is is elected, which is also in doubt. But like they'll they'll get their sixth Supreme Court justice. And I think Democrats have been foolish all along to believe in norms, to believe in this idea that we're all here working together and ignoring the basic power dynamics that exist like. Mitch McConnell, like this is this is why I always kind of don't really care about hypocrisy in a lot of ways is because the greatest example of this, Mitch McConnell says, I am not going to appoint a Supreme Court justice until the we have an election. I think this is important. And he knows full well if, the, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies like she did, that he was going to appoint them. And he does not give a flying fuck about no. hypocrisy. And Absolutely he not. shouldn't because he won. And I think yeah. that is what de- – and, and if we look at what's been going on, at least on how people are posturing, the Democrats don't seem to be in any mood to fight this nomination at all. Like they're going to let it let it go. Like they could they could throw their 
bodies into the gears and stop everything. They could hold up the government. They could do all kinds of things to stop it. But they're choosing not to because they believe in this kind of norm or reality of the situation that we all are supposed to agree on, the fair rules that we agreed on. And even though the other side doesn't give a shit about it, they're like, well, we're still going to play by the rules. And the the other side is just winning. And there's nobody – there's nobody to arbitrate what's going on. So they're just like, well, I played by the rules. You still lost and that's the whole fucking point. And there are things that the Democrats could do that that could could win back some more power. And this is, this is I think, um, an interesting uh, article I read today in Jacobin about what Lincoln was dealing with um, with the Supreme Court in the – in the, I guess it would be the 1860s. Like, basically, 1857, you have the Dred Scott decision where the Supreme Court basically says a, a black person has no rights that can can conflict with a white person's rights. They're superior. That was, and basically they said that no, uh, there should be no uh, bans on slavery uh, in any federal uh territory because most of the country was a territory at that point and that was what a lot of the civil war was even fought about now again there was a war that was fought after this but the which isn't was very ominous but the thing is is that these institutions i.e the senate and the supreme court are set up by the founders to be impediments to democracy and i think unless we understand them in those terms we're not going we're always going to fucking lose because these things are set up to inhibit the mob or the people and they would call yeah. it the mob but the people think, yeah. and we want it's... if we want a true democracy we want the people to decide what they're doing what they want their government doing what they want as a society to do as a collective that's that's what democratic socialism is now my point is is that it's we need to look at these institutions not as now how the Supreme Court kind of shook out is that when the popular will moved in another direction, they moved with it. And you shouldn't look at the Supreme Court as this impediment. You should you should apply pressure to it like any other political institution, whether it be the presidency or the Congress or the Supreme Court. Now, I, I think. Uh, let me just read a little bit of this because I think this is kind of the um, to make to make uh, this undemocratic project vulnerable. It must be made visible. It's not enough to question the decisions, the justices, or even the structure of the current court. We need to challenge, as Lincoln did, the foundation of its power to determine the law. So I think I think that's, in my opinion, kind of what the the idea should be the people should apply more pressure on it we can't just say well we could expand it to 11 11 justices and we'll we'll uh you know like or fucking mayo pete's idea of like we're gonna have you know five republicans and five democrats and five you know unbiased judges what the fuck is that? Like it's it's yeah, stupid. What the fuck is that? So again, and it's 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 very male brained, just like male Pete would always do. But like my point is, is that you can't 
we can't live within these boundaries that we've set up to to stop ourselves from actually doing anything. And I guess my as as great as as RBG's legacy is, which is a great one, we must also talk about the fact that she chose not to step down when she knew she could be a, a replacement for her could be appointed. That's what Kennedy did. Kennedy stepped down. He's like, I'm done, and I want Kavanaugh to be my replacement. He did that. She could have done that too. Hold on. I have to check you on that because there is ample evidence that Kennedy stepping down was actually like a there was there was um, like a profit involved with that because uh, Kennedy's son works for Deutsche Bank. Oh my god! Uh, I don't want to get into Russiagate right now, but this I, isn't Russiagate. This is independent of Russiagate. But there's but there's still a we, there's still a weird tie to Kennedy stepping down early. Um, and his son working for Deutsche Bank and like funds, there, there is a very weird quid pro quo thing going on there, regardless of Russia. Right. But, but my point is, is what, let's just take the Kennedy example off the table. She could have found a, an Apple replacement for her on the court and she chose to, to stick it out and it didn't work out, but and I don't think that her I don't think she should be canceled for this or anything like that. I'm just saying we should we should talk <laughs> cancel with better get her. Yes. We should talk about that will, that will definitely get us kicked off of Twitter. Yeah, I know. Jesus <laughs> I, Christ. You try to cancel someone else and it gets you canceled. No. Like literally, like we need to talk about her entire record and in in some ways most consequentially in our current moment, what she just did, because now, now we have to live with the possibility of a 6-3 court. But my Ooh. point is that, and this is what I was oh, talking about, is that... We're going to have to live with a 6-3 court. Right, the but I think we can't... how we can't, much of a sycophant that sixth vote is going to be. No, but this is my point, is we have to look beyond the 6-3 court and find ways to pressure that court into doing what we needed to do. Because if, like, the Supreme Court inherently is a conservative institution, what it is set up to do is to stop or to basically make rulings on what people think is good or bad. And right. they're the ones that say, well, it's not constitutional, so we shouldn't do it. And, like, inherently that is very undemocratic when you think about it. Just well, like the Senate true. is for representation. Now, these are the, also, these are the systems we live in. To, you you Sam and I, you're gonna hate me for saying this to you, to you, but you also have to appreciate like the um, historical context because up until our lifetime, basically, that wasn't really an issue. The judges were usually fairly moderate, especially by today's standards. Um, slightly conservative, slightly liberal. But then since I, I can't pinpoint it, it could have been Nixon, it could have been Reagan, they've started appointing these like specific ideological driven 
justices. I guess I would and, always say that the, the justices were always ideologically driven, and I don't think it's f- fair to paint any of them as not ideologically driven. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously they have to have some ideological driver, but I, th- I think you, like, historically, it's, it's well documented and well known that they would put the ideology more aside until we got to, like, the... Like the Dred Scalia's Scott decision? The, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... So, this is... And I, I could... I'd have to do nice some more back. research into some more really terrible Supreme Court decisions, which there are oh, many. There's always going to be... Ta- obviously, there's there, going to be terrible There are ones. many, and so you may disagree with them. But, like, this is my point, is that we have to look beyond this institution we can't just say well yeah this is what we have to do with the six three court we can't do anything like that shouldn't be an impediment to uh you know pushing for medicare for all pushing for an expansion of social democracy but yeah but but the point but also we should have been aware of this ahead of time that this was going to be an issue but i think we do need to look beyond uh that and not look at this as a ending or be all end all to everything. It doesn't have to be that. It can be a new beginning. Like you know, Absolutely. Dred Scott t- is you know fifty seven, and I can't probably sixty four is the Fourteenth Amendment. So yeah, like you know, again there was a, a giant civil war that happened, and you it, it's it would be a, even it would be irrational needed. to look. To just say Almost that history will years repeat itself. To give black people rights that they deserve. So, well, and, and in that in those first ten years, they had those rights, and they were just eroded. Like this is this is the other thing, like about Reconstruction, is a lot of these things we had black members of Congress and all these things, and they took it back, and that's what Jim Crow is. And yeah. so it's not like they weren't be able to realize it; they had it, and then it was taken away from them, and that's. I think what is always always forgotten in this is that, you know, it's still the same effect, but my point is is that these these things were gained and they were immediately undermined by, you know, the South and Andrew Johnson There's... and a lot of other factors. But Andrew Johnson. No, Andrew Johnson was terrible. Like Oh, I know. He was he was no, so bad. He it's should just, have been removed from he's office. Such a he was removed from office. No, he wasn't. A... He was impeached. He was not yeah. removed from uh, office. Yeah. There's a difference. But my point, sorry. My point is, is that like, <laughs> he completely undermined things. But like, the thing is, and if you look at like, the gay marriage decision in 20, was it 2011? Like, that is the people moving justices to make a better decision. Like, Kennedy probably wouldn't do that unless he knew he had a gay friend or whatever I think is what was going on but like and it's the typical Republican way unless you're directly connected to it it doesn't exist right and then the the Democrat will say I see you and then do nothing about it but <laughs> like I I, I, I get true. <laughs> um, but very true <laughs> but anyway I think I, my my point about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, great, great uh, person and someone to be to to be looked up to and to be honored, and 
I don't think that we should view a six three court as a a foregone conclusion, but also not the end all be all to the way we need to live our lives or execute our democracy in the future. Like these things, like as we all remember, the Senate was a, an initially you know elected by the state representative, the state legislatures. It had nothing to do with the popular vote. Now it does. I still think the Senate is an undemocratic institution, but it's very like not not. It shouldn't even representative. No, sure. of course, it, by design. But but again, and then we're taught in school that this was a good idea. They compromised. See, this was good. They compromised. Um, this is why we have such brain rot in this country as we compromise. But uh, <laughs> well, at the same time, it's like. We, we've been building this history based upon ideas that at the time when there was, you know, 40,000 people that lived in the U.S. and only a thousand of them had what we would even consider maybe like a high school education. Well, right. You know, and then you some know, of the stuff half made of, more half sense. Of those, and then half of those people owned slaves. But yes like it's and, and, and like and that's what's so weird about it because like i go back and forth on this where it's like oh the electoral college is not democratic why could why would they ever make something like this and then i see like idiots making the choices that they make and i go oh i get it <laughs> no but it's not but the it's, problem is, i disagree the, the problem i disagree with that because I, no, I, I i think the problem isn't isn't so much that they that they 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 made a bad system. It's that it was it was rife for taking advantage of in the way that the Republicans and even the Democrats have let's not even let's not even make it Donald Trump has taken advantage of. Let's not even put it in in Democratic Republican terms. Let's took it in rich and poor terms. I think class terms yeah. make much better understanding of the Constitution because there was a rich ruling elite in the in the colonies that wanted to maintain their power and hold their hold on power in the country so they established a government that would do so and that's what they've done and if anything what we've been trying to do is correct that as a country going forward and we've had leaps towards that with the new deal but but also complete erosions of that since the new deal but yeah. that i think has been the you know obviously Number one, besides racism and slavery in our country, that is the dynamic that was established. And I think we're we're always applauding the Constitution as this great document. And I think to a certain extent it is, but it definitely is not a maybe even good document or perfect document. Like it says that that slaves are worth three-fifths of a vote. And I think if they had to choose, they would say they were for no vote, but the South wanted more representation in the government. So they're like, okay, we'll say three-fifths. And so, <laughs> like, they like they wanted, you know, they wanted full representation of the slaves, even though the slaves had no rights. They wanted that representation, and then the North was like, well, we don't want them to have that much representation. So it's, it's terrible. But I think... yeah. The, the ideas of America, like I think if you read Thomas Paine, that's that's who I look to as my favorite founding father. I think the rest are kind of trash. And I think he was way, a man. problematic. He was way ahead of his time in a lot of things. 
And we can get into that at a later date. But I, I think that's my point is that we should we shouldn't look at this as the the end. It's just the no. beginning and you know, like this is the thing about history is sometimes things seem so dreary and down and out and then things happen. In the middle of it. Yeah. And they just happen and change dramatically and there's no real predicting it or understanding it. It just happens. And I don't think I'm not just saying it's magic. There's forces at work, but I'm saying that it's it's never a good idea to give up because then they just win. And that's yeah. what they want to do. And I, I I definitely don't like I said earlier on, like the most important thing we have to do is we have to take back the Senate. We we have to keep the House, take back the Senate. Taking the presidency would be ideal. If we don't, it's it's not the end of everything the only reason that that's good is because then we have better control over the picks for the judicial system which and you know we no longer have a corrupt department of justice we can maybe get some people into these positions that have still not have been filled over the last four years um we probably will get rid of it we will no longer have an issue with a president that is firing um, inspector generals, which is uh, a very important position. And there's a lot of little things. And, and I think what has, and, and this brings me back to kind of the point that I wanted to really make about RBG and um, which is Republicans be garbage, that there's so many things that's wrong with the U.S. system that have become so apparent now mm -hmm. that it's impossible to ignore. And there's so many things that we could do to easily fix this. Expanding the court is one idea. It's not necessarily the end-all beat-all because you still put into place a, a, a pathway for them to just appoint more bad judges, but which isn't necessarily good. Right, but that's, but that's my point that I read earlier. Like To make an undemocratic project vulnerable, it must be made visible. And I think yeah. that's, if anything, what this does. And I think that's important to point out. And I think, you know. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. We, we can't lose hope. We, we can't be apathetic. Everyone needs to go out and vote. They need to vote Democrat across the board for everything. And, that, you know, and like I, I hate how much that local politics gets overwhelmed by all this. Um, we'll have to do, we should do a whole show on important local political positions and what they do but it'd <laughs> be a lot of research but like Kavanaugh perjured under oath that's impeachable you know like so if we if we take back the house and the senate mm -hmm. maybe well, they get Ginsburg's reappointment but I'm sure whoever they pick is probably going to be just as trash as Kavanaugh was probably going to do the same similar thing and then oh look if if the problem is holding them holding the Democrats to the fire as well is not letting up just because we're like oh okay our guy got in there they're gonna take care of everything it's like, well no, no, and no. this our is our guy got in there we need to hold his fucking feet to the fire and be like I agree Kavanaugh perjured under oath he's not qualified to be in this position y'all motherfuckers better impeach his ass right the fuck now well, and replace. And I throw beer face with someone that's not a rapist, even though that's an issue with Biden, but whatever. 
the whole point of him is that we're getting. You kind of just undermined your argument there, but yeah, like I know uh, that's just, we're, uh, we're getting rid. Of, we're getting we're we're getting cabinet members that aren't like monsters, and there's other there's so many I th- so many people focus on like the central figure, but there's so many other pieces involved. If if Biden is president, we don't have uh, Stephen A. Miller whispering into the president's ear all this crazy shit to do. You know, like I so many so many times people talk about like Trump this and Trump that, but it's like Stephen Miller, a, a known Nazi, like a white like he shows up to part like he he was at rallies doing the Hail Hitler salute. Yeah, he just doesn't he's want to Trump's clean up like and right hand man. Like he's Trump's right hand man. I I don't it it, it I, there's, I know it's so hard because there's so much stuff to look at, but there's a bigger picture that people need to see. Yep, exactly. Um, so let's let's move on to the next topic because I'm kind of over the Supreme Court. It's just bad. Uh, yeah. We were we we're talking about the other part of our hellscape we're dealing with. Uh, yeah, I mean, my whole point was like how much we've we've constantly berated republicans uh, of being a certain stereotype and this whole thing with rbg dying and how they're they're probably just gonna you know flip the script and be exactly what we thought they were going to be and they've proven that since 2016 that they're exactly what we've been calling them this whole time right but it doesn't matter because they're winning and that's that's i think what what democrats need to take away from this is that it doesn't matter about what your appearance is let me finish the the reason why I say that is because, the, like we've been saying this for a while, and the the supporters on the right just they've always denied it, always denied it, and it, it it's it's been easy for them to deny because it hasn't been as apparent, but it's drastically apparent now, and that's my transition into how many times we've talked about how Trump has been so bad about what he's done with coronavirus and things that he's done but even the supporters over there they still don't see it or just they just ignore it i I don't understand but it's like when trump goes to a rally and he says that virtually it had what is it what was his take your hat off to the young because they have a hell of an immune system but it affects virtually nobody. It's an amazing thing. By the way, open your schools. Yeah. That's I that's what we're living in now. It's fucking ugh. and just like he says shit like this and the the his supporters, the the sick fans that are just eating it up. They they just go, "Yeah, he's right. It virtually affects nobody." Meanwhile, we have I'm looking up the recent reports from worldometer.info. USA currently still topping the entire world of 190 plus countries with 7,139,553 total cases. Total deaths, we're still winning that one as well with 206,593. So we're, you know, crushing that as well. And it's just when he says something like virtually not affected by it 
and you just want to be like, well, it's it's like I I forget what country it was, but there was some country um, I heard of where anyone that was a denier, coronavirus denier, they were making them dig the graves for the people that died. Where was this? I forget what countries. I'd have to look it up. Um, but I heard about this on a podcast they were talking about. I think it was um, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. They were talking about how some country, what they were doing was, if someone was a denier of coronavirus, they were making them dig the graves to bury the bodies that died from coronavirus. And I was like, that's fucked up. But we should totally be doing that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm. Yeah, I'm not as big as fan of that, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's just completely fucked, and I, I don't know. And now we have the fact that like Trump is setting Indonesia. up. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Uh, great, yeah, great well, book. Obviously, it was Indonesia. Great, great, Indonesia. great book. Highly recommend. Uh, actually, is the Jakarta method, which is totally a tangent, but it's about um, how the anti-communist movement in in um indonesia was used as basically the blueprint to how to how to suppress communist movements around the world and basically is one of the main reasons we won the cold war i think over a million people were killed in indonesia like disappeared just taken away they were never you know the bodies were never found in a lot of cases like a lot of things they would just take the bodies away take the people away and then the families would not know what happened to them and you never know what happened to them. And then you were like, well, I can't look, look into what happened to them or I have to make sure I do everything right. Cause they might come back. We don't know if they're dead. They could be in a prison somewhere. And so, yeah. Oh, I think over a million people died in 65, uh, whether the U S government was involved once they knew what was going on, they were very, uh, supportive and huh. and uh, helped out the the Indonesian government in in doing it over that over that period. So it's and again, most of the CIA documents are are classified, so you don't know. But it's a great book. It's called the Jakarta Method. I highly recommend it. Um, great. Um, but yeah, that's that's what Indonesia is uh, famous for. So yeah, of course they'd have people digging graves for. Uh, not believing in coronavirus, um, <laughs> but not, not for believing for not believing. If 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 one, I think it's what I read was the the penalty for if you're caught not wearing a mask, they will make you dig the graves for. Yeah, that sounds. That yeah, Indonesia, or Singapore, Singapore would do something like that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, Singapore. Yeah, they'd, and then they'd be whacking you with canes while they while you're digging. Right. So. Um, which I mean, hey, but, maybe we just but, maybe but we need more of that. You never know. Indonesia had probably the largest communist, uh, peaceful communist party in the world, um, outside of maybe obviously the Soviet Union or China, and it was, you know, dismantled. Probably maybe in in Bali, I think it was maybe twenty percent of the population. So it was like a lot of people were just disappeared, and then that was continued on and in uh, South America in Brazil and Chile and Argentina. And so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And that's probably, 
they look back at it now, everybody was worried about Vietnam, but it was probably what happened in Indonesia, what was, which is what stopped the um, communism from expanding into Asia and stopped the Cold War. So, uh, very interesting read, tangent, but you brought up Indonesia, and uh, it's a very good book. <laughs> uh, but It sounds like a great book. It sounds like a really light read just before bed. Yeah, um, I've been reading on my bicycle. Um, my bike rides, uh, or list, bike rides listening to it on my uh, oh there you go but audio books uh, exactly totally well uh, my book suggestion is in K. Jemison's Cracked Earth trilogy so it's way better than whatever garbage you're talking about yeah just history <laughs> um, yeah so you want to talk about something just, uh, a little bit more positive yeah, I mean, it's it's just so wild, and it, I think, and I I do I can. It's a big thing. I can tie this back to part of the reason why I left Facebook was because, and again, the the RBG quote from the beginning was I've just got I try, I've tried every technique to get through to my family to be like. Like, look at, look at what's actually happening. Like, stop making these excuses and, and actually look at what's actually happening. Look at the facts on the floor, and it, and it wouldn't matter. And it, and it just wouldn't matter. And, and, like, they would get upset with me. They would get angry at me for presenting them with facts. And then they would call me, like, they said that I would, was brainwashed. And so it was just kind of like... I can't I can't do this anymore so like I I totally left Facebook and ironically a few days later that's when um RBG died and that's it was just kind of like well I'm not sure if I did the right thing you know because it's like how how do you do that so it's but it's just wild that it's like he'll say these things and they'll just go along with it despite the numbers, you know, and, and, the, and they'll just, the, the big thing that they were doing is they were saying like, well, it's obviously the democratic governors in these cities. It's their fault. And I'm like, the democratic governors don't control like the international board. Like it was, it's just, it's. Well, and I think there is a reality too. Como fucked up tremendously in new york and got a bunch of people killed and he should be held accountable for that instead of patting yeah, him on but, the back for it and I, i'm not no, i'm not playing not, but i'm not but playing yeah, like yeah. when when it like everyone is to blame everyone in power is to blame I agree. um everyone could have done better and everyone's everyone's like tripping over themselves to like point fingers at someone else like new york is a major city like it's it's if you don't shut everything down in in January, New York is going to have the numbers it has. That's that's a fact. So it's it it doesn't matter what Cuomo did after the fact. He's he's going to be the villain because the people who should have done something about it beforehand didn't. And so this is the one time where trickle down actually works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but but there's other parts involved with it that's more than just that moment because um, 
we had small breakouts during Obama's administration. And he said, what do we do to keep this from happening again? So he made, he put in place um, the infectious control disease stuff with the CDC. He put um, specific people whose job it was to monitor infectious diseases outbreaks in China. And Trump comes in and within the first year, I think, of his administration, he gets rid of both of those positions. Mm -hmm. He got rid of both those positions for strictly the only reason was because they were put in place by Barack Obama. He, he strictly got rid of them, and I, I, make this, I say this expression all the time, but it's pretty funny. He, he got rid of those positions just to own the liberals. And I just keep trying to make this point to some of my idiotic friends and family that owning the liberals is not a sound policy idea <laughs> but do they do they do they have sound policy ideas i think i no. think you're giving them too much credit but I, i'm not giving them any credit i'm making fun of them for being so fucking stupid well i i agree and i and that, and i don't and that's the thing is it's like we can we can track it to exactly two specific things that were put in place to prevent this from happening and they got rid of it they made up some bullshit about like uh, overreach and cost and everything like that, but they weren't that expensive in comparison to all the other garbage that Trump has cost us money for. So, for the cost of the wall, both of those positions were paid for. So it's it's totally bullshit. So he got rid of them strictly because they were put in place by Barack Obama. If he left them in place, we would have had someone in fucking China that would have been like, this shit. Well, it, actually, I take that back. Because even if we had that person in place, they would have been like, there's a really bad virus coming, shut everything down, right the fuck now. And Trump would have probably been like, yeah, yeah, so maybe it's, maybe it's it not as, mattered. yeah, he definitely would have fucked it up no matter what. So I, I, don't, but I think not having those stop gaps definitely would, didn't help. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should, we should probably end this discussion, well, we're going to play a clip of our our second favorite uh a paul in in rand paul and uh he, oh we're going to that one yeah he's uh he's interviewing anthony fauci which seems to happen all the time and uh i'm not gonna i'm gonna go super lib and say oh fauci does nothing wrong but i think he does a pretty effective way of uh debunking uh rand paul and his bullshit which uh might be fun to watch, so let's do that now. Dr. Fauci, today you said you are not for economic lockdown, yet your mitigation recommendations from dating to baseball to restaurants to movie theaters have led to this economic lockdown. Do you have any second thoughts about your mitigation recommendations, considering the evidence that despite all of the things we've done in the U.S., our death rate is essentially worse than Sweden, equivalent to the less developed world that is unable to do any of the things that you've been promoting. Do you have any second thoughts? Are you willing to look at the data that countries that did very little actually have a lower death rate than the United States? You know, Senator, I, I'd be happy at a different time to sit down and go over detail. You've said a lot of different things. You've compared us to Sweden and there are a lot of differences. And you said, well, you know, there are a lot of differences between Sweden. But compare Sweden's death rate to other comparable 
no, uh, uh, Scandinavian countries. It's worse. So I don't think it's appropriate to compare Sweden with us. Yes, we have, I, I think in the, in, in the beginning, we've done things based on the knowledge we had at the time. And hopefully, and I am, and my colleagues are humble enough and modest enough to realize that as new data comes, you make different recommendations. But I don't regret saying that the only way we could have really stopped the explosion of infection was by essentially, um, I want to say shutting down. I mean, essentially having the physical separation and the kinds of recommendations that we've made. You've been a big fan of Cuomo and the shutdown in New York. Okay. You've lauded New York for their policy. New York had the highest death rate in the world. How yeah. could we possibly be jumping up and down and saying, oh, Governor Cuomo did a great no. job. He had the worst death rate in the world. No, you misconstrued that, Senator, and you've done that repetitively in the past. They got hit very badly. They've made some mistakes. Right now, if you look at what's going on right now, the things that are going on in New York to get their test positivity 1% or less is because they are looking at the guidelines that we have put together from the task force of the four or five things of masks, social distancing, outdoors more than indoors, avoiding crowds, and washing hands. Or they've developed enough community immunity right. that they're no longer having the pandemic because they have enough immunity in New York City to actually stop. I challenge that, uh, Senator. I'm afraid, because I'm afraid I, I want to, Please, sir, I would like to be able to do this because this happens with Senator Rand all the time. You were not listening to what the director of the CDC said, that in New York it's about 22%. If you believe 22% is herd immunity, I believe you're alone in that. There's also the pre-existing immunity of those who have cross-reactivity, which is about a third of the public in many we'll estimates from studies, which would actually get you we to about senators. I'd like to talk to you about that also because there was a study that recently came out that pre-existing immunity to coronaviruses that are common cold do not cross-react with the COVID-19. Thank you, Senator Paul. Senator so Murphy. Uh, thank you very so much. For, so it's it's... First of all, my first take on this video is Rand Paul just starts going off on this diatribe where he's he he's just reading off of a sheet. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's clearly obvious. Um, it's very well practiced, but still obvious that he's just reading off this thing that he's been told to read by I don't know Koch brothers. I don't know who I don't know who pays his bills. Um, he goes off on this, talks about all this stuff, like meanders through all these different points, makes all these different points. None of them are really relevant. And then, of course, Fauci's first thing is he goes, I would like to address all these points, but you said a lot of, he basically like accuses him of like the word salad that he just let go. Well, then he, and then he goes through and thoroughly debunks everything that, that Rand Thoroughly Paul debunks said. everything. And, and especially the, the important thing that I think he talks about is the, the stuff that happened in New York, which is kind of relates to what I was saying earlier, where like they got hit very early on with this. And it's, it's not, it's, it's not crazy that they would, you know, because at the beginning of this, not many people in the U S were taking it very seriously. People are just like, Oh, it's just like the common cold. It's just the common cold. It's the common cold. It's not worse than the flu. It's not worse than the flu. It's not worse than the flu. I even said that. I was like, it's no worse than the flu. I don't get what the big deal is. 
because at the time that was the information that we had i'm sure fauci had better information than we did but whatever um since that time cuomo has done a very good job and i think that's the point that fauci was making is that when well once they once they locked down things yeah. have they've been able to mitigate the virus now what cuomo did initially he, he probably could have locked down maybe a couple days earlier and saved a bunch of lives that way. Yeah. Um, he locked I've down. Seen, he locked statistics down. That was like yeah. for every week earlier that we could have locked down, we yeah. could have saved an extra like 40,000 lives. Like he basically, he basically crazy. locked down right when California did, if I remember correctly. And then there was I think this. they were a little ahead of us. But no, I think it much. was the same. It was around the same. But like the. God, this has been the longest year ever. I know. But like, and then he did some really kind of fucked up things with, uh, he put all the COVID patients into like nursing homes, which then caused like a giant, uh, explosion of cases in nursing homes where a bunch of people just died and they didn't need Uh to die. And it's really bad. So I, I don't like, again, my point is, is that, you know, Trump is at the head of this and he's, he bears a lot of the responsibility. But I don't think that liberals should be like, oh, Cuomo, he did such a better job. He's our daddy. Like, this is what oh, they no. always do. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, literally, he's just as like he's just as bad. He's it's just again. But like, again, I think what Fauci is trying to say is that the mitigation things worked. And that's what he's trying to say. He's not saying that Cuomo yeah. is a good guy. He's not like MSNBC. You know, Fauci is a reasonable person, you know, you know, but. I, yeah. I I think New York I mean if you look at their numbers when after the um, fecal matter had hit the spinning blades they did sort it out eventually they definitely made some mistakes like you said but they did do the correct things to bring the numbers down and the numbers did come down so much so that like um, for a while there in the God, I want to say it was like the first, maybe it was like three months after the initial outbreak. There was a point in time where if you looked at the United States' overall numbers, they were going down. Yeah, that was and the like reason why June. It was like June-ish, June until like maybe July. The numbers were, were going down overall. And that's because New York's numbers spiked so high at the beginning that because of everything they'd done, it was dropping so fast that even though every other state in the U.S. was going up mm-hmm. at a steady, steady, steady pace, New York was dropping so hard right after that like initial spike that they had that it was averaging out all the other numbers down. So it was like this really weird thing. We could be like, our numbers are, the U.S.'s numbers are going down. But if you took New York out of it, it was like, oh, no, we're, we're still going up. But because they had spiked so hard and done a really good job of mitigating it from that point, that it was it was it was bringing the entirety of the United States down. That's crazy, and that's also why statistics are kind of fucked up, and you can use those numbers to make any sense that you want out of them. Right, which is what mostly Rand Paul does in the segment. But yeah, uh, and which is why he talks shit and just like destroys him. But when he starts going into, like, the herd immunity thing, like, this is the second time i watched this video. And when he starts talking about the herd immunity thing, I have to stop watching. I just, it, like, it, it like, 
it makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. Well, right, <laughs> like, and like, and Fauci like, thoroughly debunks it. it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, but it's just, it's just. I mean, there's, there's just, and, and like I, I. Well, and this is. I don't know the full context of this video, but it seems like the context of it is that Rand Paul is trying to say, let's just open everything back up. Well, right. That's um, totally what he's trying to say, and I think and, this is this whole message that has gone on throughout this entire pandemic, which is again, like, a lot of business owners are are suffering tremendously because of this pandemic, of course. But the, the, the fact is, everyone is, everyone you know, is it's like, and they're, fuck. you know, the numbers of people that are facing eviction, all of these things, there's probably going to be a foreclosure like, uh, spike as well. So it's like, Oh yeah. All of these things are, are happening. And like, like, we could have mitigated this much easier and faster and we would have, we would have been back to normal, but we're, we're not. And we're still in the stuck in this limbo. Like basically I think Europe and everybody else in the, the modern world went back to normal and then now they're having their second waves. But it's like, I have a friend in New Zealand who they had really hard lockdown and then they got out and then they could do whatever they want. They went to rugby games they went to, you know, they can go to the theater. They can, you know, go to burlesque shows, whatever they want to do. Like, it's all burlesque shows. This is all main, right. Mainly my friend. Um, but um, but the, the, the point is, is that, like, things are, are basically back to normal. But my point is, is that, like, then there were a couple cases in Auckland and now everyone's freaking out. My friend bought a mask. He's wearing his mask now. He's like, we just don't want it to go up. We want to have things normal again. Like they know what what they're going to be missing, and now we're just kind of yeah. stuck in this nebulous thing. And then you just play this game because, again, who the majority of people that are suffering from this disease are poor and minorities, and uh-huh. they know that. And so it's easy to be like. And plus, if you're out in the middle of nowhere in in the rest of the country, it's not affecting you like it is in the cities. So it's like. Oh well, we can just you know we can play to this whole narrative that people have, and All right, I, and win on Sam. I got it. You're right. I'm gonna go lick a bunch of people's faces and then fly to all the flyover states and just start sneezing on everything. <laughs> yeah, you should just become a giant super spreader. That's what you should do. I'm <laughs> patient fucking zero right here. You should just be a super spreader event, like drive across the country. <laughs> Hurricane Kyle is coming. No mask. No mask. Just sneezing, just blasting it out. Yep, exactly. Um, I, I, did, I did hear an interesting statistic, and I had to look it up and kind of verify it to make sure, and it is true. Um, Vietnam, country with 95.54 million people, has... 1,069 cases and only 35 deaths. Yeah, I've heard that. It's it's ridiculous. Vietnam. Yeah, I know. A Com- country that Communist we, Vietnam. That we bombed to back to the Middle Ages. That like... That beat us. You know, that like beat they, us. That beat us, but we still bombed the shit out. Like, they are, as people would define as... 
did, a third world, did you, world country. Did you know that has nothing to do with economic status, but whatever. Well, they're not aligned with either side. That's why they're third world, which is another yeah. great uh, part of the Jakarta method, which is about the third world Congress in the 60s. Great stuff. Another segue. But, great stuff. Um, my, <laughs> but like, this episode this is, brought to you by the Jakarta. What's the name of the book? The, the Jakarta, Jakarta method, method by Vincent Bevins. Great book. It's the best exercise you could ever try. But another thing I... Lose a million pounds. Literally, Vietnam... human flesh. ...ended uh, Pol Pot's regime, and the United States kept the, the remnants of that regime represented in the United, United Nations for years, like 30 years, because they wanted to stick it to Vietnam. Like, that's how much they hate them. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> but, like, Ugh. it's it's... That's why I always have a respect for uh, the few countries that have stuck it to Uncle Sam, and I think they they have their problems, but like uh, they got away with it, and we just can't let them yeah. live it down. And I think and, that's funny. And they and they they look at look at this look at it this way. Of course, look. Of course, Vietnam beat coronavirus. They beat the U.S. They beat coronavirus. Beat two China. For two. Beat China. Beat China. Three China, for three. China tried to invade right after the Vietnam War, and it didn't go well. Fucking Vietnam, man! Like these these guys are—they're the LeBron James of <laughs> world conflicts. I don't know why I said LeBron James. Yeah, this is yeah. A terrible. It's bad enough. It's worse. <laughs> I don't know why. Just he's the first like superstar that popped in my head. Yeah, exactly. Probably should have. I mean, I probably could have picked Jordan. I feel like it would have made more sense. Vietnam's big into gambling as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, they've they've suppressed coronavirus very easily. And thirty five people. Yeah, that's that's it. Yep, thirty five people died. Yep, thirty five. That's like all, all, like all the proof. Like he can bring up any of the Scandinavian countries he wants anytime he wants, and we can just be like Vietnam. Thirty five people have died. Go fuck yourself, Rand Paul. Exactly. Go get beat up by your neighbor some more, Rand Paul. Well, this is just this whole, like, you know, entrepreneurial, like, bullshit where it's like, well, you know, Sweden didn't close down. And look, they had the same amount of cases as we did. And it's just like this stupid argument that it's like, that yeah, if we just shit. let the businesses operate, we'd be fine because there's nothing we can do. And, like, this is the whole problem with these stupid hypothetical arguments is that, like, there is no way to know because if we had done nothing, it would have been far worse. But there's no way to prove that because it didn't happen. So they can always... I also don't know So they can always play to this idea that, like, well, you know, we don't know. And, like, it probably would have just been this bad anyway. And they can make that stupid argument. But the numbers are also bullshit. Like, what, like... Where are they getting that Sweden has the same numbers? As, are they saying like same as us, like per capita or some? I think they, it, like I think it's the number. I think it's per capita. I don't. I haven't looked at the numbers in a long time, so I don't know. I just keep track of but, the LA infection rate. That's really all I pay attention to anymore. Yeah, that's that's like that's what I don't understand because like, all right. So if we look at total cases. Per 1 million population. Where's the U.S.? We are... That's going to take a while to figure out. 
Our total cases, the U.S. is 21,540 total cases per 1 million population. Why Sweden? Jesus Christ, they're like... Usually the number is per 100,000, isn't it? Well, the, I mean, it, 1 million, 100,000, just subtract a, a number off of it, and it's fine. So I said 21,540 total cases per 1 million population is the U.S. That's, you know, like I said, total cases, 7,139,553, total deaths, 206,593, total cases per 1 million population, 21,540. Sweden is at 89,756 total cases, 5,876 deaths. They only have 8,875 8, total cases per 1 million population. Now, the only thing I can think of is it's the death rate that he's comparing Uh, maybe because ours is 623 and theirs is 581. Is that what he's saying? Also, they use the metric system. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we got to convert 1.6 or something. <laughs> Every 1.6 deaths is the same. Exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, Rand Paul is full of shit, uh, and that's the point. Rand Paul's so full of shit. Let's move on to the next topic because I'm over. I can't this. like anyone that believes this garbage is just. Let's let's talk about idiot. let's talk about something a little like uh, like lighter. Um, like you want to do fantasy? I mean, the only other topic we have two topics left we could discuss, which is the weekly update of police being fuckheads or we can talk about fantasy and the fact that every star in the nfl has had a torn acl this week i think i think we should just talk about fantasy because i'm kind of over the bad news for money okay <laughs> everyone with the torn you had saquon barkley on your team yeah i had saquon remember... barkley on my team but i drafted so... a decent team i'm gonna be all right i am owing to you're old. <laughs> but I barely lost last week. He was by like was close. one point or two points. And uh, I I was blown away when I when I heard that stat that they said that there were seven torn ACLs in week two of the NFL. And it, it's funny because like um, relating this to coronavirus, we've had back and forth conversations about how long do we think the NFL will last? Like what week will they like shut it down because of Corona? You know, what's the, what's going to happen because of Corona? We didn't consider ACLs being contagious apparently. Well, just lack, lack of conditioning due to coronavirus is going to lead to more injuries. So, um, well, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's conditioning. These guys are always conditioned. Yeah, but it's, it is, like I've seen some like football doctors like write about this where they say that it's because they don't have all of the conditioning that's going on during the off season. Like they did have some of it and you could do some of it on your own, but yeah, really that, that amount of conditioning really helps like prepare the body and strengthen the body. So it doesn't give out. 
Um, I'm not saying you can was... stop ACLs. There's always ACLs every year. But they said yeah. that like the amount of Achilles injuries that they've had is way up. And it's very similar to um, 2011, which was the strike year, where they mm. had a whole well, it was a lockout, a holdout. So uh, you're seeing a lot of the same thing where the offenses are kind of going ballistic and you're having a high injury rate, but the defenses have to spend a little time to catch up because you're not you didn't have enough time to prep during the season. So it still makes for great yeah, football. I was, but... I, I was thinking it was less um conditioning of and because to me when you say conditioning that makes me think that like they weren't exercising every day no for the last yeah six months and and i i feel like it's more um uh what's the word for it like discipline like they like they're not um that like they're just off their game slightly and it's and it's enough that you know, every team in the NFL except for one to the side, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, you know, it's like they—it's they, just like you—you're you, used to doing things a certain way, but you have to kind of—you know—you have to practice because it's like you're—you're you're not naturally predisposed to running straight into a person so you have to train yourself to do this right way. exactly and right. there's there's so. only so much of that you can do in a in a weight room or but you can't do any of that in the weight room you right. know it's it's not the same like it's like oh well, we've got these tackling robots but they don't move at the same speed as a human right it's not it's they're not the same way as a human it's none of it is they don't move the same way when you hit them they don't move the same way so let's so it's, let's it's, go over the the most gone over sports story this week which is how many nfl players have been injured let's just list them off we got uh, Saquon Barkley out for the year with ACL. That's a big one. You got Christian McCaffrey out for probably four to s- seven weeks with a mm-hmm. high ankle sprain. Uh, Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain, but they're trying to win this year, so they're going to try to rush him back. Uh, Devonta Adams has a hamstring injury. Julio. There's been so many hamstring injuries. Julio has a hamstring injury that's greater than the hamstring injury he usually deals with. Um <laughs> Where it actually affected like, his place. Like, they're like, oh, Julio's limping around. I'm like, Julio is always limping around. He's you, always limping around. But he's still like. I think he does that on purpose to make, like, the defenders be like, oh, I don't have to be quite off my step on the first. That's, but, and then he just smokes them. And then he. And then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then he can't, and he acts it up anyways. Um, um, God, who else has had uh, Evans has a hamstring. Evans, yeah. Um, who who's Edelman? Edelman Edelman's always has Edelman's healthy right now. He's no way. Edelman's no, never. He healthy. had his He's always questionable. No, well that's the Patriot way. But he had a <laughs> he had a career game last week, like for the Cowboys, like the most yards, most catches. Um, <laughs> I just imagine all the Patriots being like, "How are you feeling?" Oh, I'm fine. He's like, "No, you're not." He's like, "This is the way." <laughs> No, you're right. My hamstring hurts. This no, I was trying. Way. I was trying to explain an IR like spot to the to a commissioner in this other league I'm in, where like basically you can put a player on IR, and like then fill your roster, and so you don't have to hold on to the injured player, and it's a little easier. And he's like, "Well, what about Tom Brady? He always is questionable." Through I'm like, 
you can only put out players or players on IR on the IR spot. You can't put a questionable player in an IR spot. Like it's not, it doesn't even matter. But yeah. I don't know. This this is this is the constant issue I have. As a, as a commissioner, like how uh, how frustrated I get at other commissioners for not doing what a good commissioner should do, i.e., me as the best commissioner I know. So, and you could ask right, you could ask all my league mates who they think is a good commissioner. They would say me, but uh, they would say on a scale of dog shit to Goodell. No, and, and this is the thing. I'm with, not sure which side of that is a better argument, though. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely better than Goodell. I'll say that. <laughs> um, the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah. Uh, Who else Ro- Roger, yeah. Roger Goodell, like, oh, I just realized that racism was an issue this year. Fuck you, Goodell. <sighs> Go eat a bag of dicks. I did. I did for the, for the, for the last two weeks. My team name has been Cap Was Right, and I've, I've been really proud of that one. Um, and I, I was going to keep it for the rest of the season, but I did just think of an even better one. Um, and I'm going to, was it Tammy, make... Tammy's new boyfriend? That's a great name. No, Tammy, it wasn't Tammy. That is a great name. I do like that one. <laughs> um, the only reason I haven't changed mine immediately yet is because I am going to make an image to go with it, but I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you so that you're not, you don't die from laughter when you see it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because I made this, um, a friend of mine started a really late start Pick'em League. And uh, I was like, okay, I need a good name for the Pick'em League. I was like, I could do Cap is Right, but that's only kind of funny. Um, I was thinking of like, oh, what if I did like, I have my money on like coronavirus. And then I sat down and I typed out, I was like, all right, I want it to be related to COVID-19. So I typed out COVID-19, comma, Football zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty good. So what, what I'm going to work on for, for my image is I'm going to do a picture of the football with the little Shrek ears coming out of it so it looks like the coronavirus. <laughs> nice. Um, so that's going to be my, my image for the, for the game. It's going to say covid-19 football zero no i should i, I should be, be i should be good this week i should finally get right in our league cuz i've got um miles sanders and kenny drake and like smash spots and i mean i always i think that i thought that two weeks first week i was like oh man i'm in a good spot i'm totally going to win this and i got my ass beat and i was like well that's cuz that's cuz what happened <laughs> well delvin cook or i mean uh, derrick henry just shit the bed Last yeah, week. two weeks in a row. He's a, he's a slow start. He's a slow, start. slow start. He gets going. So I just traded him in my other league. I, I I traded him, Nick Chubb, and DJ. Oh shit! You traded Chubb. And DJ oh, Hunt has been and D, Hunt's been having a year. And DJ Chark for Alvin Kamara. Okay. And Latavius you traded Spurs. those three fork. Yeah. Wow. Um, because I am zero and two in that league. It's my league of record. I'm the 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 champion of the league, and I want. I don't want to. Re, I'd like to repeat, but if I don't, I'd like to at least make the playoffs. Um, I've changed my team name to Your League Champion just to rub it in. Now I'm in last place. So at the <laughs> at the bottom it says 
everybody's standings in at the bottom. It says your league champion last place. So it is pretty. It, that was a glorious screenshot that you. Said. It's it's uh it's definitely. I can't change the name. I have weird, definitely weird, like superstitious things with fantasy. I don't change change the the name of the team. I think that once you stick with a team name, you can't mess with the the team because then that's just admitting that you were wrong and it spirals you into a stupid thing. And I have all these weird things uh, about things, but uh, it's all these weird things about things. about fantasy football. So it's it's weird, but I basically it's a super flex league, so you. Should probably start two quarterbacks every week. And, Super flex. And I had three. I had Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb as my running backs. <clears throat> and the rest doesn't matter. But I was having to decide between that second running back or that third running back and a quarterback every week. And it's, you know, which game is Nick Chubb going to be good in or not? You know, like he was great in last week, but if he's negative game script, it's out the door. And I love Nick Chubb; he's probably my favorite running back. But I could really, I had to, I had to get rid of him because he's just he's due under unpredictable, and I needed to narrow my yeah points into and one I player. Think, I think with um with Kareem Hunt there as well. It, it's there. It's it's hard to. That's that's real hard to say. Well, like, oh yeah. Ideally, ideally, last last week's game was what they want to do. Like that's their offense. That's what they want to run. But I don't think that's good. They're not going to play the Cincinnati Bengals every week, so yeah. you can't count on that. And so, if if say Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt gets hurt, which is likely due to how things are going, then it's <laughs> then you're then you're golden. But I can't wait around until that golden opportunity, and I just felt that I needed to make a move. And DJ Chark, I don't know if he's he could he's probably going to break out this week, uh, this Thursday. But just because you traded him, right? But uh, you know, it's just I got Deontay Johnson, and so I'm good at the wide receiver position, and I'm just going to see if I can climb my way out of this hole I've dug for myself. Um, I've done it in other leagues. I just need to, um, you know, take it a little bit more seriously and not overthink it. Cause I think in, it's, in that, I mean, in that, still early. in that it's league, two. in that league, I think I always overthink. So that's my, the biggest thing I'm always fighting is, do I do this or do I do this? So a lot of times it's about yeah. minimizing those choices and then you, <laughs> then you're actually just making a play and then it's like if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you stuck to your plan and your process instead of well i could play this guy or i could play this guy and then you don't make a decision and then at the last minute you switch them out and then you fuck yourself so yeah i always i always i feel like i always feel worse when i um if i if i noodle and i win i feel i feel so good but if I noodle and I lose, I feel worse than if I didn't noodle and I lose. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it's like, exactly. like the dopamine's the dopamine centers reward better if I'm just like, this is the team I picked. I'm gonna stick with them and I'm gonna do well. And 
but then if it's like if I noodle and I win, I'm always just like, oh, that's the good, that's the stuff, le petit mot. But the the um, if I noodle and I lose, I'm just like, just I quit. Why am I even here? I fucking hate fantasy. Why do I do this every year? Yeah, well, this is my 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 friend in the league said. I said I've always thought, and then promptly forgotten pre-draft that consolidating two B players into an A-plus player is the hardest thing in fantasy football to do and the foundation of a, and is the foundation of a true trade win. That said, I'm not a believer in Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's good. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very poetic. Um, I do, like, before we get too far off topic, I do want to bring it back to probably one of the most interesting injuries that happened this weekend which is Tarod Taylor oh yeah so I was I was watching I watch I do red zone usually and I, I watch so it's you know they cut around they go back and forth and like the the whole story with that was very fascinating because they were they were being so weird about it on the report they're like he's got a weird chest injury but like Saturday morning, they were reporting like he had suffered a rib injury during practice on Friday. So a weird chest injury doesn't make any sense. I was like, why are they being so weird about this? Why? Like, he was hit in the chest practice on Friday. He reported that on Saturday. On Sunday, he has a chest pain. It's, it, it's not irregular. I don't get this. Why are they being so weird about this? And then... Yesterday or today, the story broke that the team doctor went to, like, inject him with, like, the cortisone or whatever to, you know, get him over it so that he could get out there and play. And he punctured his fucking lung. Yeah. I mean, that guy... So, first of all, Anthony Lynn should be fucking fired and he should take that doctor with him <laughs> anthony lynn should be fired because in a sudden death overtime fourth and one he, with a stud quarterback he punched and in, right? two two fantastic running backs that can both easily beat any line for three to four yards at well, no I, don't know. What it I don't is, know if right? Eckler is that, but this Kelly guy is pretty good. Kelly, for sure. I mean, Eckler, Eckler could probably he could have leapt, he could have jumped over them. He still could have still could have tried the first it, yeah. down. Either way, they could have got the first down. Fourth and one with the squad that he had, and he decides to punt it away to Patrick Mahomes, the reigning champion, reigning MVP with a kicker that had already made a 58-yard field goal. And he thought, my defense has got this. My defense that's winded from four quarters. And, like, Joey Bosa spins, he plays one down, spins the rest of the time, spins, like, three downs on the sideline. And it's like, like, punting it away to Patrick Mahomes, first of all, at fourth and one, is... Just as dumb as just like, just being like, you know what? You guys just take it. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? I just like, 
Anthony Lynn should be fired. He should take that fucking doctor with, doctor with him, and they should just get the hell out of here because L.A. doesn't need them at all. We're 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 a city of champions, Inglewood, city of champions. Get out of here. <laughs> Neither one of those are champions. Says the Rams fan. Um, <laughs> but no, I Look, I I agree. I'm, I'm I agree. It's a wrong for the Chargers call, to be but... here too. I am a Rams fan, and but I will still cheer for the Chargers every game that they don't play the Rams because I, I love my city, I love my teams, I got them, I got they back, until one versus the other, and then you know fuck them. <laughs> no, I yeah, I'm a Packer fan, and then I think I need to get more into the Chargers, but I have to get into that kind of losing mentality, which I'm not really gung ho on embracing yet. You know, like yeah. most of my friends are Vikings fans, so it's like. They're, oh, that's rough. They're they're used to it. They're like they just know. Like famously, I think they were in the playoffs a couple years ago against the Seahawks, and I was at the bar with my friend and Vikings fan, and there were some Seattle fans next to us at the bar, and the game came. It was a super cold game, I think at the bank, like outside, which they never play outside, but basically, it was when their new stadium was being constructed, and uh, I remember that. It was, the end of the game and it was like a 30 to 20 20 yard kick and the the seattle seahawks fan turns to my friend and says good game man you guys got this and he says wait he could miss the kick and and blair walsh flakes it to the left and it was just like he called it like he knew it was gonna happen like that's how damaged their psyche is as fans and uh, it's it's been a great enjoyment to me, especially in this fantasy football league I'm in with my buddies, who are mostly all Vikings fans. Uh, the absolute utter collapse of the Minnesota Vikings this year. They are they are this terrible. This has been real bad. Terrible. I mean, to 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 go from like two years in a row of defen- def- definitely being playoff contenders to go to. No chance in hell, and and like and we're we're only in week two, and everyone's already written them off. Like no, they're, they're like, done. Oh, they're done. You, you and not... Miami are gonna battle for <laughs> draft position. No, they're gonna get. It's they crazy. Should, they should draft that that guy out of what is it, the Clemson uh, quarterback? Oh yeah, he's gonna be a stud. Yeah, they should draft him. That's what they should do. And uh, I was yeah, get rid of Kirk and, Cousins. In in <laughs> you like you Kirk Cousins you, so hard. You like that? Yeah, I do. I do. Oh my god, fuck! I mean, look, Kurt's problem is probably that he had coronavirus, and now he's got like he has like the the torn heart muscles, which is a thing that happens in young athletic people that get coronavirus that mm-hmm. are asymptomatic. Um. He probably has that, and that's probably why he's not playing to his normal thing. And, and, you know, it was like that study that came out of Penn State where it was like 35% of their players had this myocardia shit or whatever, where it was like their, their like heart muscles were torn because of it. Damn. Like, that's that's fucked up. No. And like that's yeah. that's what I was saying the thing about, like, Zeke Elliott. I was like, he, he tested positive. Like, he tested positive. Mm-hmm. So even though he was like asymptomatic and it's like, Oh, he should be fine. But like 
this disease does all kinds of crazy stuff that we don't even know all mm-hmm. of what it does. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I think that's, that's super interesting. Justin Herbert. No, Trevor Lawrence. That's his name. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Justin Herbert is the, the Chargers. Yeah, he's at the Chargers. Yeah, he looks he looked good. Yeah, I didn't I like, didn't watch t- that game. You could I was tell. So frustrated that I had already me? lost that week, so I was just like, I'm walking away at that point. And that you should have watched that game. I know. Trying to be a Chargers fan. That's your that's your new no. I'll, I'll watch it. Quarterback. I'll watch it tomorrow. I got Game Pass. But okay, good. Because um, he he looked like he he looked like a rookie, but he looked ooh. Between him and Joe Burrow, I'd say they looked about even mm-hmm. as far as like you could t- you could tell like give them a year or two they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna be good. Yeah, that's good. Just, I mean, he just they both like both of them. They just they got fucking arms for days, and they can they can run it when they need to. But it's not it's not like Lamar where it's I have an open man, but I'm just going to run it because I don't see him for some reason. Even though Lamar is amazing when he runs the ball, but yeah, it's just yeah, they both look they both look like studs, and I think they've got a pretty good future. Um, in that regard, I do have to give mad props to the quarterback. I wasn't really happy to draft, but I did anyways. Kyler Murray has been putting on a show mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, he's the real deal. And he's, uh, I, I'm not going to go that far, but so far like I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on him. Like he's going to be my starter till his bye week or, you know, well, I, his I mean, ACL goes. Obviously until his bye week. Like <laughs> Well, I mean, he could he could easily I mean, like Beating San Francisco was big, and putting up the points he did against San Francisco, pretty big. Yeah, and they're, they that's the they other, have a, that's the other thing. One of the best defenses in the league, and they handled them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Derrick Henry is going to go off this week as well, since I traded him. Oh away. yeah, for sure to the Minnesota Vikings. It's gonna it's gonna be. Oh, he's going to pick him apart. Pick him apart. But Kamara is just a better option, so I have to like if I'm going to trade up for, uh, a, a you know RB two overall probably now, and yeah. instead of like waiting to see if Derrick Henry has a good game or not, like I can't wait. Just going to have to move on. Yep. I do have to bring up um, talking about fan bases that are used to disappointment. Um, Buffalo Bills. I think uh, I I feel like I remember we were I was watching a game with my fiance who is a Buffalo Bills fan, and I think they were up by like twelve points, and there was like six seconds left in the game, six seconds left in the game, and someone was like, "Oh, they got this," and she was like. No, nah, there's still enough time for them to fuck it up. <laughs> no, and I I appreciate that kind of fandom because I have that kind of I have that kind of fandom for the Packers, even though it's probably not even deserved. But like my dad no. always taught me, you know, like expect the worst, and uh, you know if they if they 
if they do good, you know, you'll be happy. And yeah, I think that's that's, but that's tough with like, like with Green Bay and maybe like the Bears. They've had such a long history of. It's like they they like they have winning histories that predate our grandparents. You know, and, and that's just been rolled over for all these years. Oh yeah, I recently it's like I recently it's watched like fifty a, years from now, people will still be Cowboys fans, and they haven't got better than eight and eight in thirty years. You know, so well right, but I think like the I watched the uh, they they did like a hundred year like documentary series on the Green Bay Packers, like starting in nineteen nineteen and going all the way till 2020, 2019. And, uh, it was, it was crazy. Like Curly Lambeau was like, like a pathological liar, I guess. He would just lie about like everything, (laughs) like they couldn't trust him. And then they got so tired of him that they got rid of him. And literally there was talk in 59 of actually bringing him back to be the coach. But instead they got Lombardi. Um, but like he, you know, I think he he got some notoriety, and then he got hooked on like Hollywood starlets, and then just kind of devolved after that. I think died of a heart attack, and when he was sixty or something like that. <laughs> but like crazy guy, like but he's the he and this newspaper writer are basically the founders of the Green Bay Packers, and then you know they're the only publicly owned team in the in the in the country or even mostly in the sports world, I think. So, yeah. That, that's like one of the coolest things about, I think more, more, more organizations should be like the green Bay Packers because I think as much subsidization of these sports teams now where the teams hold the, the community hostage and say, we're going to move to LA or whatever. And then they raise the money to, to subsidize the, uh, the stadiums they should just have a part in that and I, they should just have the city should just own it i think it's yeah is a better way to go about it and well no 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 there's no well it depends if depends on how the deals are made but in the past the cities have owned it and it's been a, an atrocious thing for them so yeah let's look into it some more but um yeah i think um, the, the less amount of jerry jones thing... and robert crafts would be better yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, you know, mad props to Cranky who built a five billion dollar like edifice of his wealth, and it's gorgeous, and no one has seen it in person yet. And the great thing about it is, he paid for most of it. Yeah, and that's how it sh- and, should be. I think if they're going to continue to own the teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think uh, to so one point I was I have to get back to, but before I do, seeing the Packers do the Lambo leap with no fans is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was I'm, I'm actually happy that they're still doing it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, it's it's it. It, uh, I love like when they run up and they like start pointing at the fan base and then run up and jump. It's like it's it's. I like that the players are still having fun with it, 
despite the fact that the fans aren't there. Um, part of me wishes that they would do a game without the fake uh, uh, um, stadium noise. Mm-hmm. I would just like to hear what it's like au naturel. Yeah, because they, they like, add that in, right? Yeah. And it's and it's I don't know if they're pumping it through for the players. I don't think they're pumping it through for the players. Either. I think they're only pumping it through for the fans at home watching it. Because they couldn't and get those while, hard counts otherwise. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Um and I and I think just experiencing that, like how much sound you can hear from the field i'm very interested in in experiencing that for at least one game mm-hmm. um that being said as i was talking about the bills i think probably the most exciting game coming up well that's hard to say because there's three games coming up this week that are very exciting. Oh, that's going to be an exciting week in your household. I just realized that. Oh, yeah. Miami and Jacksonville is very exciting. Yes. I, I Don't ask me why. I just, for some reason, the battle for Florida, very exciting to me. Yeah, I, 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 mean, like, I spent like $27 a fab on Minshew to last yesterday, so I'm excited too. <laughs> hey. The mustache is where it's at. Except if you're um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who said, uh, I've always thought that people that grow mustache are people that have patchy sides, which he's probably right about. But <laughs> So, fun fun story. Um, coworker of mine, uh, his birthday is tomorrow, and we did a Zoom birthday thing for him today because the office is closed Thursday and Friday for some reason because startups are weird. Um he has a killer mustache. He's 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 done like competitions and stuff. He's won like local things and things like that. So they did this thing for Zoom where they had a background that we put up for his birthday. I actually shaved so that I had a mustache for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck you Fitzpatrick because there are no patches on this man's face. Oh, of course. I can do a of course. killer mustache. I can do a I can do a beard. You that can would do make a great beard, Patrick. Yes. I I've look seen it. Stupid. So I appreciate the shade thrown at Minshew, but you know it's 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 anecdotal evidence at best. It's not real data. So, but that being said, I love Fitzpatrick because you can never rule him out of a fight. He's gonna. He's gonna ball out somehow. I don't know how he does it. Like he just, he just, it is magic. Yeah, it's remember those just, those four games the beginning of last ass. year? I, yeah, they were so good. Like the I don't know how he the outfits. It's like yeah, it was, yeah. And I feel like I feel like even the Miami like home office is going. We fucking love this, but we're supposed to be losing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're trying to get the draft picks. What are you doing? Uh, I am excited to see Tua take over at some point because, you know, Tua's awesome. Like, he's going to be really fascinating to watch in the NFL. Like, a young Russell Wilson. It'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game's going to be fun. Bills versus Rams. Um, 
You, from my, you're gonna have to sleep on the couch afterwards. No, 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 absolutely not. Like I said, she's she's used to the the losing, but um, it's gonna be a good game, I think. Um, thankfully, the the Rams are playing there before the weather is an issue, and the biggest thing that I've heard from kind of like the you know the pundits and the Twitterverse is that whoever wins that game no one or at that point people have to start taking them seriously again because people haven't been taking the Rams or the Bills seriously this season. I think I think been, people have been taking the the Bills seriously, but you're totally right about the Rams. And yeah. if if he does win again, that means that McVay has built a team, the second youngest team in the league without Todd Gurley, and uh-huh. yeah, I I would, it's 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 a team not to be messed with. But. It's going to be real because they both have stout defenses, and it's it's I think it's going to be like a pretty interesting defense heavy game, um, which should be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, and then is it? I think it's. Monday night is the Chiefs versus the Ravens. Uh, yeah. might be, yeah. Yes, Chiefs at Baltimore. Again, huge game. Huge. You know, one of those teams is going to walk away with a loss. That I mean. Oh, I'm excited for that game. <laughs> Who, all right, so let's go through those three games. Who do you think is going to win Jaguars and Dolphins? Uh, I'm going to say Jaguars. Yeah, I think that's I think that's given. I mean, any given Sunday, and that's where Fitz shines. But it's in it's in it, Jacksonville, right? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't. I don't have any of those players on my team. <laughs> All right, you've got Gasecki. You could look it up real quick. Let's look. Uh, bu- bu- bu. that's your team in Jacksonville. Yeah, in Jacksonville. And then, what's your pick for the with the other two games? So, and then uh, Rams at Bills. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bills. You're going to go with the Bills. Dang. So I, this one's tough for me because obviously like I want the Rams to win. The, th- the Rams th- do th- play th- pretty th- well on the road. They do play well on the road. I think you just can't. Aaron Donald has been quiet this season. And I think... Uh, He's going to be upset about that come Sunday. And uh, I think he's going to make Josh Allen regret being in the NFL. He's, I, I mean, honestly, like, I'm sure You're such a against the Eagles, <laughs> I'm sure against the Eagles, he was like, this garbage O-line, and I didn't get a single sack against Carson Wentz. He's probably furious. So I think... Uh, I think we're going to see some some 
All right, so you got Rams. Let's go Dirty Monday stuff. Night Football. You said Ravens, Chiefs. Ravens, Chiefs, man. I'm going Ravens. Yeah, I think uh, I think when it comes down to it, Ravens have a better defense. They just have a better Lamar, overall team. Lamar's more dynamic. Um. And I think that's what's going to be the difference. Is it's just going to be that slight nudge of the 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 defense and Lamar's just ability to make crazy shit happen. I mean, Mahomes can make crazy shit happen, but he can't extend the play the way that Lamar can. He's close, but just not not the same way. So I think yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I think he has. Well, the Ravens got that. All right. Well, I think we should. Uh, I think we should wrap it up and uh, get to bed whenever we're recording this. And uh, we'll we'll be we're gonna take a break. I'm taking a bit of a vacation, and uh, as am I. Then we will be back soon. But we'll get all these episodes out, and uh, then we'll see you next time. And so I am Sam. And I'm Kyle. And this could be better. And this could be better. All right.